Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! <laughs> Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, my cartoon companion, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And this episode, we are looking back at probably the newest show we've ever done, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. I I say probably the newest. We have done some kind of 2000s content, haven't we? But we we've done sort of late nineties early aughts, but I think this one probably ran longer because I think this I think technically this is still active. Um, I don't it think is, they've done yeah. anything. I mean, I don't think they've done any new seasons for a while. I know they've done a couple of films and that, but I, um, I think technically it's still down as you no. Know, uh, like on Wiki, it's down as ninety nine to present. Yeah, I, I always assumed SpongeBob was was still a thing. Um, I'm certainly still watching episodes that I've never seen before. Uh, Netflix has got. Yeah three seasons on their currently. Yeah, they've got four, eight to nine. Um yeah. but yeah, I don't I don't know where those are, but I think they've done it's something like fifteen seasons they've done or something. They had a bit of a hiatus to do the films. Uh, well um, it was also um the creator passed away uh and they had to hand creative control over and stuff like that as well. So there was Well the creator had already stepped down at that point because he um I, I was reading about it earlier. He he after the film he gave up control anyway. He resigned as the um as the showrunner. Yeah, so um Steve Hillenberg we're talking about here, we're calling him the creator. Um but yeah, Steve Hillenberg he was a person, he had a name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that was, my, that was my... um, so he he did step down, but he came back in some sort of unspecified. Yeah, creative. I think he was a, effectively a consultant. I think wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. I think he, he stayed. He stayed involved. I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it still trundles on despite all of that. Now, whether the current content is as good as the old content is up for debate. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I did the same as you. I picked up the ones on Netflix, which are kind of mid run. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the the season four, season eight, and season nine, and they've they are quite tonally different. Um, you can you, know, you can see there's a no there's a very different uh, very definite shift in them. Um, the newer ones I haven't seen any. I don't I didn't bother trying to track those down. I thought there's th- there's three seasons on Netflix that'll that'll do me for this. Yeah, I mean I I could never tell you at any given point what season of SpongeBob I'm watching. Um, mm-hmm. such such is my relationship with the show. It's it's sort of it's almost in that kind of Simpsons slash Flintstones slash Jetsons slash Scooby Doo kind of camp yeah. where there is there are just so many episodes of this and it's constantly on, um, yeah. and I you know this isn't something that I can necessarily say I've ever been a huge fan of, but mm. it's also something that I can hand on heart say that I don't think I have ever turned away from ever. Like if SpongeBob yeah. is on, I will sit down and watch SpongeBob. Uh, and yeah, I've I thoroughly enjoyed fair. watching it for this podcast as well. You know, it's just yeah. not something that I'm going to sit down and, and binge like I would with with some of the other shows that we've been watching. Uh, but it's certainly yeah. something that I've, I've enjoyed. You know, we say these are the shows that shaped our childhood. I think it's actually it's pretty fair to say SpongeBob had a large part in shaping my early adulthood because it was yeah. always yeah, on that. when I was in my 20s. Like everywhere yeah. you look, it was SpongeBob. Well, I mean, from... From a terrestrial TV point of view, it was on um, ITV on on SMTV on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. um, and I remember they when they broke it. Um, let's say it would have been probably not long after it started airing um, on on Nick, um, and they had and they they'd have two double episodes every Saturday. So you'd have they, they, no that would they would basically be an hour of their content. Mm-hmm. So for, you know, for them it was it was ideal. Um, but yeah, so I used to see it, and it was it was one of those where 
I used to work on a Saturday morning, but then occasionally I'd be slightly hungover and couldn't go to work on a Saturday morning. And so it was one of those, you think, I'll I'll check the TV on, I'll be sat in front of the TV and it would be on. And it was anarchic and chaotic enough that it it would just lift you out of that sort of fog and go, oh, okay, that's a bit interesting. Whereas a lot of the other stuff that was on the Saturday morning, oh, fucking hell, where's the remote? I want to turn it off. This wasn't that. And it was for me. It was it was that good way of, sort of getting your brain into thinking without actually thinking about anything. Yeah, I think it works on a multitude of levels. Actually, that's yeah. that's kind of the joy of, of SpongeBob, and I'm sure we'll get into this a lot as this as yeah. this uh, episode progresses. But we've talked before, uh, particularly where gags and humor are concerned, about how some shows are just so rapid fire that yeah. some gags will land and some won't and different ones will land for different people but it doesn't matter because they, it's just so rapid fire that by the time one hasn't landed you're on to the next one and it does yeah. and spongebob is that but it's that consistently not just in the humor but in absolutely everything about the show like they're these yeah. kind of 11 minutes sometimes you know you did get the odd like 30 minute episode but they're these kind of yeah, there they were few and far between yeah. generally they were 11 minute doubles weren't they? yeah they were so you get these kind of just little slices of, of entertainment. And even within that 11 minutes, it's so frenetic and it's so all over the place um, yeah. that, it, that it could be so many things to so many people. You know, for me, as a young man in my 20s, it was, it was like you said, just the, the sheer manic energy of it on a Saturday morning or a Thursday yeah. afternoon, I recall it being on as well. I had some of the DVDs at the time as well, um, not legal ones. Uh, that was before I knew better. <laughs> but yeah, and, and it was also TV that, rightly or wrongly, for a bunch of like 20-something males, I would talk about with my mates down the pub. Like SpongeBob, mm-hmm. SpongeBob entered our vernacular, as did a lot of the yeah. catchphrases and, and things like that as well. You know, I, I distinctly remember the theme tune being my alarm uh, on my phone. Yeah, I had um, that as well. Yeah, because it makes for a really good alarm because the sea captain is frightening as fuck first thing in the morning. And then you get out of bed, turn it off, but then it's so jolly that it puts you in a good mood for the day. So yeah, and and it's a proper ear earworm as well. It really is. Um, I mean, again, we'll we'll definitely talk about that theme tune. Um, but yeah, it it is an earworm and it does set you up for the day. So yeah. I I think this was a show that whilst I can't say I've got like the level of love and attachment for it that I have with some of the old kind of mid eighties and early nineties shows yeah. that we've looked at, it's definitely a show that that I can pinpoint an era in my life when you talk yeah. about spongebob you know like I, yeah. I can see that kind of early to mid 20s period of my life where this was at its height you know i'm talking kind of 2001 2002 ish uh where yeah. this, this was just absolutely everywhere now as i say i've never been uh what you would call a spongebob fan you know i don't think i've ever earned, owned any spongebob merch or anything like that but it's also just like it's it's easy watching i don't think i've ever turned an episode off i've certainly enjoyed every episode i've ever watched yeah. Um, and there's something there's something magnetic about it it's one of those shows where if it's on in like let's say you're in a waiting room somewhere or something like that and this is on your attention yeah. is just automatically drawn to spongebob oh, absolutely. and you will watch uh, it yeah and i think i've got the similar sort of relationship where as i was similar to you i was old enough to know better it was on and it ran i say before i went to uni and then certainly while i was in uni as well and yeah it, it had it's got that it does have that very sort of John K. Reddington be frenetic energy to it, and there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of that to it, which and we we can unpack that as well. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it's one of those. It's a, it, it, you can't help but be lifted by it, be be 
buoyed by it where you think oh no you might be hungover you might you know you might be a bit depressed you might be knackered you could be whatever else and you're like, you know what it's on i'm not going to turn it off and by the end of it even if it takes you this or the double by the end of it you've forgotten what it was that was on your mind anyway because you, it's just fucking chaos and you just follow that i mean one of the ones i watched last night i've had a bitch of a week i've been training i hate training and i've been training people all week so you know, surrounded by idiots and came in last night i thought i'm gonna put one on just to you know, I, I know i need to watch a couple more so i'll put you know, put one on just to sort of calm me down a bit and with by the time that first one had finished i said oh okay great i'll put another one on yeah because that's it just it just picked me up straight away yeah it, it does have that I think there's a reason for that as well. I think we can actually break that down and work out why. But it's it's interesting, first of all, that you mentioned John Kay. And that is obviously a comparison that you're going to make. Because for me, yeah. um, and this this was something I, I, I thought we'd talk about pretty early on as well. So I'm glad you, you've noticed it. For me, I think SpongeBob is kind of the final form of the Nicktoon. Like this is the yeah. full evolution of this concept yeah. that started all the way back with Ren and Stimpy. And it, it sort of feels like it's, kind of gone on this robberous kind of journey and now spongebob has yeah. led us all the way back to the start and it's eating its own tail but in that time culture and animation has shifted and we've moved yeah. away from the kind of through the middle I, I think ren and stimpy always knew what it was yeah i don't think there's ever an element i think it's fair to say there's no tongue in cheek with ren and stimpy like it, no. it's it's all on front street it knows exactly what it was and then sort of Nicktoons kind of picked up from that and progressed and we had some very very good content don't get me wrong but there was almost a level of kind of and, and this was you know throughout the mid to late 90s in all popular culture but there was an element of sort of postmodernism and irony that kind of crept in particularly with yeah. the likes of Rocco's Modern Life and things like that and Rugrats and there was there was this kind of ironic humor in in places and almost a little nudge nudge wink wink and we know what we're yeah. doing and, Sponge- yeah, and I think if you if you go back to the episodes we've done on those, yeah. that was something we picked up quite uh, quite early as well. Yeah, and and I think SpongeBob is almost entirely devoid of that. Contrary to popular oh, yeah. opinion, you know, you hear a lot of people going half and half and half bikini bottom, but they don't realise that bikini uh, bikini bottom is actually based on a real coral reef. There is a bikini yeah, it's based reef, on bikini atoll. Yeah. Now look, don't get me wrong, bikini bottom is obviously a good pun as well. But it's yeah. not like every kind of sentence in SpongeBob is all nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, it's, it's not a carry-on cartoon, is it? No. I, I, and what it is, I think, like, it, it takes elements of that Nickelodeon style and, and mm. of that, you know, you get the macro close-ups that you get in Ren and Stimpy and that kind of John K. Yeah. almost extreme gross-out style at times and that kind of slightly yeah. grotesque uh, animation and things like that. So you get those. You get those elements. You get the frenetic energy. You get the absolute madness of the complete lack of plot in in some of these as well. Yeah, yeah. And the reason for that is because what it actually does is just take everything from those intervening kind of 10 years and take the good bits and throw the rest out of the window and just reboot this all the way back to classic animation. And that's what SpongeBob feels like. It feels like classic animation. I was going to say, there are certain bits, um, and if you go back to... um, even though you like to you, you Tom and Jerry and you, you, you droopies and stuff like that, you had that bit. You no, know, somebody gets squashed in the door and they turn into an accordion and you know there'd all be something. You get elements of that. You get bits where he gets chopped up into little pieces and his eyes are still blinking and shit like that. The type of thing you had on Itchy, Itchy and Scratchy when the Simpsons were lampooning it. Yeah, and it's it's, it's you no, know, they've gone back to that style and gone. You know what? There's nothing wrong with this. No, and actually, it's almost as if there's a little bit of snobbery sort of emerged at some point. Where you can't do that. That's what old cartoons did. 
that that's exactly what I mean. But there's a I reason mean. something's yeah. a classic. Yeah, the, there's a reason something becomes a cliche. There's a reason it becomes a classic because it's fucking good. Yeah, and and that's and, exactly what I mean. They've taken that, haven't they? And they've got it. Whereas the old Nicktoons definitely were like, this is the '90s. We have to be extreme. Extreme. I, and they've just gone. Do you know what? No, we'll, there were some good stuff in in yeah. in all of that. You know, the, the quality of the animation, the look, the style of it is all great. And they've retained yeah. that. And they've retained yeah. a little bit of that attitude. But then they, as I say, they've kind of gone full circle and they've gone back to. I don't want to use the word sanitized because I think that's wrong because it almost sounds like sanitized is a criticism and it's yeah. not. But it almost feels like, I guess, the more the more wholesome version of Ren and Stimpy then, I guess, is the best way to yeah. put that. It, it's almost as if it, it's almost as if it's grown up. Yes. Like they've, they've, yes. They've, they've had that. In an they, odd had way. T- yeah. It's like they've, 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 they've come through and they've, they've had the bits where, you know, you have your classic cartoons and you go, we're going to have the, this rebellious phase where we're going to do everything extreme and it's all going to be ultra violent and ultra, no, ultra fast paced and anarchic and chaotic. And then they've gone, right, okay, I've outgrown that. I can still, I still have that character. Mm. I can still have this bit which says, you know what, I'm still a little bit wacky. I'm still a little bit wild. It's still a bit crazy, but I am old enough to know better. So all the shit that we didn't really need. We'll just strip that away, and actually, you've got what is effectively a, a sort of young adult now, as a, as opposed to having this sort of rebellious, chaotic teenager. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, and I think it, it it's odd, isn't it, that you say grown up because you kind of think of the reverse of that of Ren and Snippy being the more adult show, right? Because yes. it's got more adult humor. Adult themes. Um, yeah, I'm air quoting. You can't see me if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> If you're watching us on video, you can see it. But the way tonight's connection is going again, I don't think you're going to be seeing us on video. That's by the by. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's almost like you you see that as being the more grown up. But, but you're right. This is a far more mature product, despite the fact that it's more accessible to children and it's more kid friendly. Yeah. I think because it harkens back to that old style animation, I think mm-hmm. that's what our generation, at least, and and people who are even older than us as well, respond to in this because they see that. Yeah. You know, there's some classic slapstick in there. There is some very sophisticated humour. For all yeah. that this is a show about a fucking talking sea sponge and a starfish, there is a lot of very sophisticated humour at work in here. And even, you know, within the actual infrastructure of Bikini Bottom, you know, you've got this kind of, just this microcosm of life and you've got a, a social system at play and everything as well. So there are there are really adult elements to this. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think... Yeah, it is. You are right. It is adult. Um, it, it just doesn't present as such. And it, that lends it a sort of slight magic, I think, as well, that's missing from some of those other ones. Yeah, I think there was definitely an element of that. I mean, it's, a, it's rare that you see um, a class structure. And I think that's where it kind of leads into the more adult and the more mature nature. I mean, I think the only other place you really see that is in things like The Simpsons or Family Guy, where they build a community rather than just going, right, this is this microcosm. You look at things like Tom and Jerry, you look at Ren and Stimpy, they're all very much contained. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, they've, they've gone to that wider world and said, look, at this, you know, when, when you're a kid, that is kind of your, you know, your world is kind of your home and your, your little friendship group and your little social circle. But actually, as you get older, there are dipshits you don't want to deal with in a wider context who you, you are forced to deal with, the people you work with. Um, for yeah. the record, I like the people I work with. Um, just in case any of them are listening. Um, but no, you you have that. You have people you, you work with. You have friends of friends who you don't necessarily like, but you have to put up with because they're around. And this kind of leans into that in a way where you do get these sort of these broader strokes of these characters, um, and then you you get sort of the interactions between them. You do get some who are friendlier than others, and I think that was an interesting one for me as well. I can't remember the um, the squirrel's name, but Sandy. Def- 
yeah so you definitely get with with her that there's you no know, she's a lot friendly with spongebob than she is, you know, she is with other characters so it's it's quite an interesting one to see and you don't you don't get enough of it generally with a lot of um a lot of shows anyway or where you do it's kind of played at and sort of like, okay well we we do have a social aspect like the Flintstones. You know, they, they they kind of built bedrock, mm-hmm. but actually, you very rarely saw anybody apart from a handful of people. So even though they were there in the background, they wouldn't you know, they weren't given any time. Whereas in this, they've actually gone right. We're going to build off it, and over the course of thirteen seasons, fifteen seasons, whatever it is, they've actually done that to a point where you say, right, there was an episode with them, or there were a couple of episodes where they did this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, and and it, again, those are interesting comparisons there because they're ones that I I sort of link to as well. Like, yes, the Simpsons, the Flintstones, um, and it and it is, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's that community feeling because Bikini Bottom feels like a like a real community, doesn't it? Hmm. And yeah. that that's down to yeah, the supporting cast. You know, characters like Sandy, characters like Gary, even though I know he's SpongeBob's pet, so he's a close character. But you know, you've got this wider world. Um, yeah. But then. You also you'll get interaction every now and again with customers that are in the crusty crab, and then you've got yeah. plankton for them to bounce off with the chum bucket, yeah. and, and you've got so you've got a narrative device there, you know, just like you've got Shelbyville in Springfield and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've got this kind of inbuilt kind of turmoil, and so yeah, there's there's a definite social structure and a class and a town and an element to all of this, and yeah, yeah. you've you've picked up on sort of the real the real crucial relationship of that, which is an adult you can definitely read into, like. I think there's a bit of Squidward in all of us, isn't there? And there's Absolutely. a little bit of like, oh, this fucking numbskull again. Like, I've really, and especially yeah. at work, there really yes. is. Like, there's always that one person that you're yeah. just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, this, just, this one again. Yeah. How the fuck are you here? Like, you yeah. do not belong in this job. What the hell are you doing? Go away and leave me alone. Like, yeah. we've all got one of those, haven't we? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah. I think I've got four at the moment. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and um, so the Squidward SpongeBob relationship it hits very, and I can look back in previous employments that I've had as well. And there's always a SpongeBob to a Squidward, and it's different for yeah. everybody because it's just about that clash of personalities, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's it. And I think the the first one I watched yesterday, I think it was a season nine um, episode. But you get to say, I I know plenty of people who do this where you've got Squidward's leaning and say, yeah, it's five it's five o'clock, it's quitting time. It's five o'clock, it's quitting. And SpongeBob's there playing with the patty. Then all of a sudden, it's like you know, thirty seconds later. Oh, it's five o'clock. It's time to go home. Yeah, and he just starts he's banging his head against the walls. We've all, we've all got that. We've all got that annoying little twat. Yeah, he's like, right, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and likewise, if you're a SpongeBob, then you can see how Squidward could be annoying to you. Except, oh god, yeah, SpongeBob that's, that's, sees that's... the good in everybody. So it, you know, but but it's that definite kind of butting of heads. There's there's that because yeah. you've got that that structure within the Krusty Krab itself. You've yeah. got Mr. Krabs and his sort of soft-edged mr burns almost isn't he? he's like yeah. you know yeah. who, who just wants to make his money so these are all caricatures that we're familiar with and we're familiar with them not just because we've seen them in the simpsons and we've seen them in the flintstones we're familiar with them because they exist in our daily lives that's yeah. why those shows are so successful yeah but i mean outside of that i think you know we use the term a lot especially when we're talking about those type of shows and especially with the nicktoons that we've looked at we, we, we sort of draw this comparison to animated sitcoms but I think yeah. that's not quite true here. Like, again, it's got those elements. It's taken that from yeah. some of the other Nicktoons, but then it's flipped it all the way back of like, yes, there's this community. Yes, it's a real thing. And yes, adults can relate to it. But actually, this is just going to be 11 minutes of SpongeBob pratfalling. And next yeah. week, it'll be 11 minutes of SpongeBob laughing at stupid shit because his laugh is yeah. funny. And, it's, and, and they go all the way back. And it just feels like just a bunch of really creative people 
just freewheeling ideas, just throwing these gags at you constantly, yeah. one after the other after the other. Uh, and again, that's a very old school animation approach. Um, it does one of the things. I've done no research as normal. I'll put my hands up to that. But one of the things I do know about SpongeBob, um, because I, I remember reading into it at the time and and really um, taking it on board because it's something that interests me, is it does use actually the old school animation style of writing as well, which is probably mm. where that feeling comes from. Like yeah. this doesn't have scripts in in the in the truest sense of the word. Like we would get a a teleplay or something. Uh, for a show now what this has is a very loose outline and then a bunch of animators in a room together drawing up storyboards which is the old disney method that's how animation started and that's how you get these gags because it's it's not a case of does it work for the story does the story need to be this it's a case of somebody going is that funny why is that funny and if it's not funny we're not animating it so. I think that's it. And I think that a lot of um, so these um, the, the writers' room with this. I, I, I did similar thing. I have very little research. I didn't have time. Um, but one thing I did I did remember at the time is they 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 did have that the old school writers' room with it, where it's like, look, make me laugh. Yeah. If you don't like it, better it. Yes, exactly. And, and it was just no one up me. Just keep coming at me until we've got something that's that's making everybody laugh. And that's kind of the you know, that, that's that's the best way to do it. And I think that even. Um, some of the sort of more successful British British sitcoms did it. Things like Blackadder used to do it, where you'd have um, Richard Curtis and Ben Applin would say, "Right, I'll write an episode. Make me. No, you write an episode. Make me laugh. I'll write an episode. I'll make you laugh. And if you don't laugh at it, yeah, put something else in. Yeah, and that's kind of how it worked. And I think that's no, it's a similar thing here. It, it's probably the best way to do it because at least that way you think if I can make a team of writers who are going to be looking for these gags, if I can make them laugh, mm. Joe yeah. Public, who's not going to be looking at it in that way, who's just going to be watching it probably hang over or watching it with the kids on a Saturday morning, they're going to get it. It's going to land with them far more than it's going to land with the people I'm in the room with. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it's it's that working on multiple levels as well because they're so rapid fire. And yeah. Because of the way it works, like, yeah, the kids are going to laugh at all the physical stuff. The kids are going to laugh at the pratfalls. The kids are going to laugh at some of the mildly gross-out stuff that creeps yeah. in there as well. But then the adults have got that connection with, yeah, I know a Squidward or, yeah, I know a yeah. Patrick because we do we do all know these people we yeah that, that's that's it and i think that's i mean if, if you, you you equate it to things like clerks as well mm-hmm. whereby everybody's had that shit job yeah everybody's had that boss they hate everybody had you know, that that job that takes the piss where you think no oh, I'm, I'm only supposed to be here for three hours actually i'm here for 10 everybody's done that at some point in their life everybody can can relate to that um so you do get that but then i mean again one of the episodes i watched yesterday it was the um the jackass episode um and you start off so you very early on they're at the beach and he's made the model of the um of, of um uh the crab track and patrick is there and looks like he's buried in sand because you only see him from the neck up mm. and the assumption is he's buried and all of a sudden his body walks in and obviously because starfish can detach limbs and all the rest of it he just picks him up and plonks him back on on his neck again and it's one of those things as a kid watching that you'd be thinking that's really why why is why is it that's really funny why is his head off and as an adult you're going Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah, it works. Yeah, and it, again, it's it's even the it, like that's a really funny gag, but it's even the level of absurdity then of like, okay, one of our characters is going to be a squirrel. Why is yeah. one of our characters going to be a squirrel? I don't know, but she's going to be under the sea. So right, so we, she yeah. needs to, she needs to live in a dome. We need a goldfish bowl, and she needs to be yeah. wearing her head. And then it's even to the level of okay, then, but when the sea creatures go in there they aren't going to be able to breathe. So they're going to have to have goldfish bowls filled with water if they go yeah. to her house. 
So yeah. again, as a kid, you're watching it and it looks ridiculous and you'll yeah. laugh because it looks ridiculous. But as an adult, you're like, that's been thought about. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's a, there's there's a an, level there's of a, thought that's There's actual gone world building has gone on there where they've gone, right, anytime they're together, one or other has to be in some sort of breathing apparatus. Yeah. And I think one of the ones I watched was um, she's trying to break every record in the Guinness Book of, well, not Guinness Book of World Records. Um, and you no, know, her and Spongebob are together all the time. And wherever they are, he's you know he's in his little he's in his little goldfish board, and he constantly ends up getting smashed, uh, getting smashed or getting squashed or getting broken in, in pieces, and this helmet just gets squashed with his head. Yeah, and again, it's just a level of thought and level of detail that goes into it. Where actually, you normally think, oh yeah, just don't worry about that. We'll just forget about that for now. Yeah, and you know there there are numerous episodes as well. Yeah, where because of his prattful nature, like SpongeBob will get squashed, or he will somebody will have to compress him, and of course he's a sponge. So when that happens, all sorts of shit will start flying out of those numerous orifices that are all over his body because yeah. he's a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that level of thought as well that yeah. it's the kind of, it's realistic enough that it lets you go with the really absurd gags. It's that level yeah. of believable unbelievability almost where it's like it's just pushing the edges of, of surrealism. Yeah. Um, for, and it's even, you know, we, we talked about Bikini Bottom as a place as well and you know, when you talk about the attention to detail, when you look at everybody's house as well, and they're kind of discarded tiki mugs and things yeah. like that, and it gives the show a feel because it it sets it in a place straight away. You know, you're in like Hawaii or the Pacific or somewhere like that. Yeah. yeah? But then it also it is sort of there's there's a wider narrative to that as well of like where's yeah. all this rubbish come from? And they never go too heavy on that. They don't go too yeah. heavy on the conservation and stuff like that. But it's like where is all this discarded junk come from? Because yeah. these are people things that have ended up at the bottom of the ocean and now yeah. all of these sea critters are living in them. Um, so th- there's that as well. There's, there's so much at work in here and yeah. yet they they just skim straight over it and get straight to the gags. And again, that's a very old school approach to take. Yeah. Um, and, and it just, it makes the show, for me anyway, I just find it entirely charming. That's the thing with Spongebob. There's something about it that I just find absolutely charming. Yeah. And that's an odd word when it looks so intentionally gross at times. Well, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the animation style as well, I mean, um, just obviously talking about the way it looks, it's been used in other things. Like they, they, there were skits in The Simpsons and in Family Guy where they've involved SpongeBob, mm-hmm. and they've not had the right voice, but they've had a character that looks. You no, know, they've, they've either name checked or they've had a character that looks very similar. I mean, I think in The Simpsons they, there was a, an episode where I think Lisa was trapped in a burning building. She. You know, god jesus spongebob and then you cut up to a cloud and you get god's feet there and jesus is there and spongebob is there no she asked for you two i know yeah. it's um so they've kind of done that and even when they're trying to sort of lampoon the animation stocks obviously they're not going to make it too similar you still get a feel of them no, even if she hadn't name checked spongebob you'd know who it was because just because it's such an iconic look it's such an iconic uh, design and then you get into the sort of the actual animation when you're in the in the episodes themselves and like I was saying, there's a very you know, there's a very set palette like we talked about with you know, with the, with the Nicktoons. You know, everything has its own, or everything looks a certain way. Everything has a certain certain level of shading, mm. with the exception of SpongeBob himself, actually. Whereas you know, everything is kind of it's kind of pastel, even if it's pastel, not too bright. Yeah. Yeah. But then SpongeBob is you know, vivid yellow, mm. and you know everything's very you no. Know, whereas you look at the backgrounds and you know, things, the you know, the lines aren't you no, know, they're not blacked in and stuff like that. Whereas SpongeBob is very you no. Know, SpongeBob and Patrick are very, no, very definitely. Right, this is what our character looks like, and every, yeah. everything has its own line. And so, no. so it, it's quite an interesting aesthetic as well. 
Yeah, it is an interesting aesthetic. As I say, it's, it's got that. Like, it's got a real tiki feel to it. You get a very distinct sense of time and place. Yeah. But again, it's got it's got that Nicktoon look. You're right. It is those pastel colours. And like I said, you get a lot of those kind of macro shots as well where you'll zoom right in on like yeah. a spot on someone's nose and all of a sudden it'll start talking or something or you'll get yeah. right into the eyes, you know. So it's got all of that to it. Um, but, it, you know, it's interesting, again, when you say that it's broken through into things like The Simpsons and Family Guy and the different animation style. And again, just drawing comparisons with those types of shows, you know, SpongeBob has done that as well. I remember there being stop motion sequences that I've seen in SpongeBob. Yeah. Um, there is obviously the the I think it was the last film that came out. There was some CGI stuff in there as well, yeah, which was so, terrifying. Uh, I've not seen any of the films. I, I've not seen any of the films. I've only seen um, sort of clips and uh, sort of stills and stuff. And just yeah, CGI SpongeBob is wrong. You see, I don't actually know. And this is why I've never watched any of the films. I've had this discussion with myself, and I don't know if I want an, like a an 80, 90 minute SpongeBob tale. No, That's I, I don't because, think I could do with because that. Because the I mean, strength of this is in the lack of narrative. It's, we're it's, normally it's in preaching, yeah, we're it's, normally it's, preaching about narrative on this show, but the strength of this is in just the sheer lunacy and madcap yeah. pace of it. And I think if you look back at Ren and Stimpy and like even Rocket's Modern Life and stuff like that, you need it to be short, you need it to be brief, you need it to be pacey and just con- just constantly in your face. Mm. And to do that for do that for eighty minutes, I mean, I, if you look back at the the Rugrats movies, for example, they were so incredibly fucking slow. Yeah. And you think again, you 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 can't maintain that level of enjoyment, that level of pace, and drag it out over an hour and a half. And I think with, I think with the first Rugrats movie, they actually put songs in there as well, which just really fucking blew it. Um, but yeah, you, know, you, you I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think, I, I don't think I need an 80 minute episode because no. that's all it would be. It would be an elongated episode. Yeah, and and like I say, some of the some of the narratives in these episodes are so paper thin. You know, oh, when, God, and they yeah. turn out to be some of the best episodes. You know, we it'll literally be just a just a hook for the narrative, like you know. Yeah. This week, SpongeBob's gonna get a new toy. This week, SpongeBob's gonna get lost. This week, yeah. Patrick's gonna fall out with SpongeBob. This week, Squidward's gonna win the lottery. Whatever it is, it's that. Just use one concept. That's gonna yeah. last for ten minutes. Now here's a bunch of gags to do with it. Yeah, um, and then and then in the next ten minutes, it's never happened. Yeah, it, every the status quo has been completely reset. Nobody's learned anything. Nobody's moved on. We're just in a completely new. You know, there's no yeah. overarching narrative here yeah. whatsoever, and I'm Nothing absolutely whatsoever. fine with that in the context of this show. But what I don't want then is 90 minutes where SpongeBob's got to save the world. Um, yeah, I've never played any of the video games for the same reason as well. A lot of them look diabolical anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't feel the need for it. Like the closest you get to anything approaching a traditional narrative or an arc, even in the show, is the stuff with Plankton. Uh, but yeah. even, you know, that's not every episode. Plankton, despite being like kind of SpongeBob's nemesis in a way, I suppose, um, he's it's not every episode. Like, you don't always see Plankton. He just crops up every now and again. Yeah, and again, that's fine. I think that were you to try and st- to paste a narrative onto this or, or any sort of arc, you would, lo- you would lose the effect of it. And I think... Like we said in the past, where we've had shows where they've tried to have an arc and it hasn't worked, or they've abandoned it halfway through, or they don't understand it, they don't know what it is. I mean, fuck, we did eight series of Game of Thrones on that um, on that very topic, but that's that's a flaw. And if that's what if that's what you're striving for, then it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. But where you get this, where this is effectively, as I said, it's a series of skits and gags, yeah. where you don't want anything to change, you don't want anything to to actually evolve, you don't want your characters to go anywhere because actually. It's funnier if they don't. Yeah. 
and if that's what you're playing for and that's you know, clearly what they're doing here it's played for and got then that's absolutely fine you don't necessarily need that but you've got to know what you are and what your product is and i think that's something that this is very acutely aware of yeah it definitely knows exactly what it is um and what it is is very popular as well so it's fine yeah. that it knows that and it, obviously it's been popular enough to let it run for what are we 14 seasons now i think 13 yeah um, seasons, well i mean if, if you look it's, it, it's 23 years it's, it, it first appeared in 99 they've had a few breaks for movies and stuff but mm-hmm. it's it's best part of a quarter of a century yeah i mean oh, it, it's one of the longest running shows uh no i mean the simpsons no the simpsons keeps going things like no, things like monday night raw which have been running for 30 years now no, this is this is catching stuff up and i think actually it probably will get there as well um like i say you, it's debatable whether there's been a decline in quality but i certainly think just because they reset that status quo every time yeah. and because there's no overarching narrative you can just keep this going as long as everybody involved wants to keep making money and it will keep making money because it, I, I think spongebob's popularity doesn't really show any signs of declining like spongebob no. as a as an icon as a character it's still fucking everywhere yeah and the thing is it as a product it doesn't date either no because it, it hasn't aged sea. yeah it's it's under the sea and there's no that like, even like it, we talked we talked about the jetsons um i think it was on who wins about a million years ago um but we talked about the jetsons and how they had visions of the future and what technology would look like and a lot of it is you know, really out there and stupid like the, you know, the the lips diary and stuff like that but then no, they had mobile communication devices and things like that. So stuff like that we can identify with. But actually, when it's supposed to be massively futuristic and you think, hang on, we we had that 30 years ago, that that ages and that yeah. dates a product. Because there's nothing like that in here. And I, like even I think I, I vaguely remember there was a joke about a, like a clamshell phone where they picked up a clam. Yeah. But that will that but- will never not work. No, I mean, clamshell phones have even come back around now. They've gone out yeah, of fashion which, and come yeah. back around since that. Um, yeah. And, so, I mean, and yeah, you're right. That... It'll, it'll never not work. It would be the same as if somebody had a gag with an old-fashioned rotary phone now. Like, you still know what that is. That's still yeah. a cultural touchstone for us. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, you know, like when you look at computers and stuff, when, it's, when there are computers in, in shows, a computer will still be a computer. Yes, okay, you might have touchscreen and things like that now, but it mm-hmm. still works in the same way. And we still see laptops. We still see desktops. So it's not as if you know, people wouldn't know what they are, but because they're not using actual things and they're just drawing things that they can you know, they can make look like you know, look like what they've got, you could you know you could put that on in ten years time. You could put one of the, the episodes from nineteen ninety nine on. Okay, the animation quality quality may not be the same. I don't know. I've so I've only watched the ones that are on Netflix, which were kind of mid run and they were all relatively consistent. Mm-hmm. So, but you wouldn't you as you said you can't tell one from another. You you can't say oh that well that's season one because he's you know he's using. I don't know. He's he's using a, a Nokia phone, or no? It's it's just a it's it's whatever he's using, and it's always going to be the same. Excuse me. And I think to a point where now, like, no, we're we're certainly over time now. We're we're second, if not third generation, that would be able to watch this easily. As I say, scary thing. I, I remember being I was in my twenties when I first saw SpongeBob, early twenties, because I yeah. watched it when it was first drop in as well. Um, so because yeah. Nick Cruz so was, was always late, something I liked, so I was yeah, on it straight I, away. I was I so I was late teens, um, but yeah. So I mean, it's it's one of those. I said I had no at that point. I I don't, but technically, I could have had kids at that point, yeah. and then they'd be old enough now, twenty five years later, that they could have kids. Like, yeah, exactly. Which so it's a living piss out of me, to be honest. But you know, it it's no. We could we could be at that point, and there will be families who are at that point where actually they could be third generation watching this and going, I used to watch this when I was when I was a teenager. I used to watch it, and we used to watch this when I was little, and now you're little and you're watching it. 
And again, then that comparison creeps into those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons then where like, yes, yeah. there are still children watching the Flintstones and the Jetsons and Scooby-Doo today, albeit with Scooby yeah. especially updated versions. Yeah, but, but those still are still Scooby-Doo. things. Yeah, and, and I think especially it was interesting what you said there about not dating because, yeah, when you look at something like the Flintstones and the Jetsons, uh, because they're approximating technology in the same way that this does because it's undersea stuff, because they're yeah. approximating technology, you're right, it doesn't age. Like when the Flintstones are watching a TV and it's a it's a square TV, but it's made out of rock and there are people yeah. inside it, that doesn't age in the way that, say, the Simpsons watching an yeah, old that's what I was gonna say. CRT you know, you look at old Simpsons, and especially with The Simpsons as well, there's a lot of cultural reference, which is the worst thing you can do to age yourself. If you yes. make a pop culture gag, you are going to age your show. Whereas yeah. if you're more surrealist, like SpongeBob is, yeah. and you just take those elements that are ever present in culture, as I say, which they do with those stereotypical characters, yeah, that's never going to age. Because it's the same, you know, we, we've said it many times in the show, it's the same as doing a high school set show, where yeah. regardless of what period it's in, High school is always going to be high school. Like yeah. there's always going to be a jock and a nerd and a cheerleader. And it, it, it's it's just always going to be that because that's yeah. what that culture is. And this is the same. Like I say, everybody knows a Patrick. Everybody knows a Squidward. We always will. Fuck, I know at least five Patricks that I can straight off the top of my head. Now, I won't name any names, of course, <laughs> but I can literally give you five Patricks off the top yeah. of my head now, you know, in that kind of lovable but dim sense. Like we all know them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and as I say, we've all had a boss like Mr. Krabs. We all, we've all had a supervisor like Squidward. We've all been there. We've all done it. And so it'll never not be funny and relevant. That's yeah. the thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it will go for, for another generation at least. I don't see it ending unless all of a sudden everybody involved just goes, this, you know, this isn't as good as it used to be and walks out. But the thing is, the talent has already either sadly passed away or decided yeah, that they were Yeah, they're on like third generation of talent anyway. Exactly. So as and, long and nobody's as, ever going to turn around and say, I've got too much money, let's stop now. Exactly. And and even if you stopped it now as a TV show, as I say, you've still got the games, you've got the theme park licensing as well. Like there's no SpongeBob world, but SpongeBob pops up as a character in theme parks everywhere. That's he's been outsourced yeah. and licensed, so there are SpongeBob mascots everywhere. Yeah. You've well, got we the T shirts, to, um, the toys, all of it, you know? Yeah, like we went to um Blackpool Pleasure Beach last year, um, mm. and they've got Nickelodeon World. There you go. And yeah. the biggest roller coaster there is SpongeBob. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Universal have got it in Florida. You know, there's there's a whole Nickelodeon site. Of course, Nickelodeon Studios used to be there anyway, but yeah. SpongeBob is still there as a character. You know, so yeah. he's never going away, even if the show was no, to stop right. tomorrow. Like this is now entered, just it's entered our lives. It's in pop culture yeah. forever now. He's, I mean. As a character, I think SpongeBob has got to be up there in like the top tier of, you know, he's up there with, I'm not oh, saying he's, he's better than, but he's up there with Mickey and Donald and Goofy and Bart Simpson and all of those. Yeah. Like you show I somebody mean, if, a picture if, of SpongeBob, they can go, that's SpongeBob SquarePants. Well, well, that's it. And if you look at, no, you, you look at your, uh, your, your franchises, your franchises, you know, you've got your Disney, you've got your bit, your, uh, you know, you've got your main ones. You look, no, you've got Homer and Bart Simpson. Everyone will know who that. You've got your Hannah Barbera's. Everyone will know the Flintstones. Everyone will know mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo. And yeah, with, with your Nicktoons, if you know, if if you would say right, no, okay, to no, not to us, but to normal people, you say right, no, if they were a, a Nick cartoon. SpongeBob's gonna be the first thing that comes into their heads because the 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 sheer level of saturation over the last twenty three years has been absolutely unprecedented. Yeah. And you didn't get that with Ren and Stimpy and with you know, with with any of the others. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that SpongeBob is necessarily better, 
but it's certainly been the poster child. You know, it's 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 over the last generation, it's been the John Cena of Nickelodeon. You know, it's 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 the thing they promote above all others. Yeah, I think I don't know if it's better per se, but yeah, I think it's a more complete product, say, than than Ren and yeah. Stimpy. Then, and that's the thing, and it's more. It's more marketable, certainly. Um, yeah. If you were to, for all the good stuff I've just said about SpongeBob and for all I've said about it looping back and eating Ren and Stimpy's tail, like if you were to put the two in front of me, I am taking Ren and Stimpy hundred oh, percent yeah. of the time. One of God, it's yeah. one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, as as I mentioned on that podcast, like I I fucking love it, and the the stuff that I really like about SpongeBob is stuff that it's picked up from Ren and Stimpy. You know, as I say, yeah. like, Ren and Stimpy was kind of just the more FNAF FNAF version of of Spongebob really but it was it was out there with it it was just like look yeah we're gonna show you asses and we're gonna pop zits and we're gonna be disgusting and we're gonna push this envelope as far as we can possibly put push it where Spongebob just goes no we're not interested with doing any of that this is just good old-fashioned fun but otherwise the two are very similar so I just think it's the more rounded perhaps as I say I, I used the word sanitized earlier and I think that's unfair but it's the more marketable yeah of the two um, however, I, I think you're right. I think there was probably our generation uh, before SpongeBob came along. If you were to say to them, name a Nicktoon, I think everybody would go Rugrats. Um, I, I honestly think now, if you were to mention Rugrats as the first Nicktoon out of the gate, you would be in a very small percentile. I think even yes. our generation now, if you said, name a Nicktoon, they're going to go SpongeBob SquarePants. I think for a yeah. lot of people, if you say, name a kid's cartoon, there's yeah. going to be a high percentage that will go SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. You know, and, and it's. It's weird because it definitely does have that stigma of like it's a kid's cartoon. It's got yeah. that stigma, but yet I guarantee you, you stop any random adult on the street and ask them, and they've watched some SpongeBob, and most of them have probably enjoyed it as well. Mm, and it's because yeah. it's got that throwback to even the generation above us. It's got that throwback to the Flintstones and the Jetsons and all the stuff that they were watching on yeah. repeat as kids as well. So there's there's something very wholesome about it, which is an odd way to describe it, I think. But it, there is something very wholesome about this show, and it's very comforting, I think. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you touched on there, you know, from you know, getting from from Rugrats through to Ren and Stimpy and, and, and into this, there's kind kind of like an outer through quality whereby you go th- you go through that you almost like you have to endure or you have to experience the other two to get to a SpongeBob. Yes. And now I said no, no, it's there. I say it's it's a complete product, and actually, all the stuff that came before it, you can kind of look and go. Well, they've done that, and they've kind of taken this element, and they've kind of taken that element, and kind of put them in together. They've got rid of the dross, and they've got rid of the sort of the stuff that slowed it down, and the things that people didn't like. And it's almost as if this has kind of been focus grouped to a point where it's almost the perfect product. It's almost the, the it's almost like the perfect storm of everything that's come before it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it definitely is that, and that sounds very cynical to say oh, that completely. because because I don't think it has been focus grouped to that no, that no, extent. No. I think that is just an amalgamation of years and years and years of outputting this and having the right creative team in the right place at the right time, it being led by the right person. um, You know, I think all of that just came together. There's a lightning in a bottle element to it as well. Yeah. um, Rather than a a marketing. Now, absolutely, yes, it is a marketing team keeping this thing going because they want to sell SpongeBob plushies or whatever, you know. But then it was just a case of, we've got all of this experience. You've got this great idea. Yeah. Let's bring it all together, and and they've turned out a quality product. You know, this stuff we haven't even talked about yet, and I, I feel like we could probably talk about this show all night. But this this random stuff, which is very Nickelodeon as well, like like the French narrator, which yeah. you know, you, 
because there's no real story in these episodes, every now and again, you just need to link a scene. So what do we do? We cut to a fucking flashcard with a narrator. We'll make him French because why not? Why not? Um, I, I think, I, I don't know, but I think is there maybe supposed to be an element of Cousteau in there maybe? Is oh, yeah, that yeah, what that is? Yes, yeah. I, I, that's, I'm always just, been my, that's always been my reading of it. Because we're under the sea and stuff. I'm like, is that why he's French? Because he's yeah, kind of this voice of God? I... Yeah, that's that was always my reading of it. Um, it's just, um, yeah, part of it is the why not. But yeah, I think that there's, that, again, there's a, a definite choice has been made there. Yeah, but again, there's that there's that level where you can approach this, where for a certain amount of the audience, they're like, oh, that's funny, because he's got a he's funny French. accent. He's French. And then there's an element where you can do a, a more in-depth reading and go, yeah. Well, yeah, but then is he meant to be Cousteau? And is that why he's French? Because they are under the sea. So is this, are we saying that he's now the kind of ultimate voice of God for these sea creatures? Because why wouldn't he be? So there's all of this at play as well. It can be all the things to all the people. And and I don't think there are many shows, I don't think there's any shows we've watched that can do that, where, where literally anybody from any walk of life and I'm confident in it. saying this. You could sit anybody down and put an episode of SpongeBob in front of them and they'll get something out of it. May yeah. only be one laugh in the whole, you know, if you're yeah. watching the whole thing, like 23 minutes, whatever it's going to be. You may, they may, you may get one titter out of them or you may just get them go, oh, I, I remember a time when something like this happened to me or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think you'll always get a reaction and I think it will hold their attention as well. Like, I don't see how anybody... And, and I can understand how looking at maybe a still from this, looking at SpongeBob as a character or watching a yeah. clip in isolation and just like hearing the, the laugh or something like that, yeah. you can look at it and go, that looks really fucking annoying. Yeah. I don't want to watch that. That looks really annoying. But I think if you sit anybody down in front of an episode of this, I don't think anybody walks away without a smile on their face and everybody gets mm. something out of it. Yeah. And I don't know many shows you can say that about. No, certainly a lot of the ones that we've looked at haven't had that effect. No, and, and a lot of the ones that we have looked at that we've really enjoyed is because we're looking at them through rose-tinted glasses, whereas yeah. we don't really have that with this. Like, yeah, we're 20 years removed from the first time we saw it now, but we were, well, supposedly fully grown adults the first time we saw it. So it's not like there's this element of like, oh, I loved that as a kid. You know, there's, there's none of that. We we yeah. came to this and met it on its level as fully grown adults. And at the time, let's not forget, I was in fucking art school. So I was an arsehole as well. Um, so I was in an arts college doing a media degree. Like I was an absolute fucking asshole about stuff like this. And I met it on its level. Mm. So it's got all the things for all the people, you know, um, let, let's circle back around to that theme tune. We touched on it earlier. Yeah. Um, no, for me, the theme tune is possibly even more impressive than the show. It's a fucking wondrous theme tune, isn't it? Just because of what it does. And there is, I mean, Again, we talked about um, Fraggle Rock and the call and response aspect with the clapping. Yeah, and you again, get it here. Yeah. You can't, you cannot hear the theme tune without joining in. No, you can't. It's impossible. And I think that, you know, I mean, sea shanties are doing a bit of a thing at the minute. There was that whole TikTok thing last year with you no know, during the pandemic of you no know, the sea shanty. But this is kind of no, this has been around for twenty years, and you know, I could not watch this for fucking ages. Just hear that sea captain, and straight away, it's it's back in my ear. And then, yeah, you go straight into, isn't it, pineapple, under the sea? And, oh, oh, okay, brilliant. That's stuck in my head for another fucking week now. Yeah, it's, again, there's the call and response element. We're just like the clap in Fraggle Rock. If somebody plays the opening of this to me, as soon as I get, are you ready, kids? I'm straight away, go, aye, aye, kept it. And I can't help it. I'm a fucking 41-year-old man. I cannot help it. (laughs) 
if somebody plays that to me, I will straight away answer, aye, aye, Captain. And then, yeah, as soon as you get into who lives in a pineapple under the sea, everybody joins in on the chorus. Yeah. Everybody. And it's like, we've got to talk about the lyrics because, yeah, it's a sea shanty and everybody loves a good sea shanty anyway, right? Yeah. So it's catchy on that level. But then these fucking lyrics, like the alliteration at play yes. that gives it this kind of staccato rhythm as well, that again, it's just infectious, you know? When, yeah. Like, it, it's fucking poetry, this stuff, yeah. when you listen to it. Like, the alliteration throughout that, like, this hasn't just been slung together in no, five minutes. Right. Like, this has been very carefully constructed. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, I mean, it's kind of indicative of the show. I mean, you look at so many things that we, so many shows we've talked about whereby they've got a great theme tune but actually the theme tune's better than the show or it's a great show but it's a rubbish theme tune because they've not paid no, they've not given it the the um i guess i i don't want to say they haven't put the effort in but they haven't given the respect it's deserved they've gone oh well the show will speak for itself we don't need to worry about the theme tune mm-hmm. and actually the, a theme tune is as important to a show as as the content this feels like you know it's kind of indicative of everything else that they've gone you know what this is what our show is so let's really nail our flag to the mast and, and go for it same as everything else, same as the gag, same as the writing, same as the, the pacing. We're going to do it. Let's do it right. Yeah, and, and they do. I, I think you're right. A theme tune um, is more than just something that starts and ends your show. And and yeah. this also has a different outro to intro, which is another thing I'm always a big fan of as well. Yeah. Um, and again, that outro takes you back to that kind of tiki vibe as well, which which yeah. helps put you in the time and the place. But I, I think a great theme tune needs to, like, it needs to be catchy, first and foremost. Yeah. But it also needs to identify with the show. It needs yes. to be at level of, again, like that call and response of, like, you know this belongs to SpongeBob SquarePants. And yeah. everything about that intro sequence as well tells you exactly what you're going to watch. You've got the sea shanty, which, you know, by their nature now, when you hear a sea shanty, it puts you in a mood. And it's vaguely yeah. ridiculous and vaguely silly. Yeah, but also it's an established yeah. form of music. So it's not like, you know, it's not like it's just some made-up junk. It's got some history to it. So mm. it gives you this idea that, Again, you've got this kind of sort of seesaw effect here where it's vaguely ridiculous, but it's also really good at being ridiculous, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's a well-constructed sea shanty, but yeah. the lyrics are ridiculous. Then we've got all of that alliteration in there as well uh, that comes through. You know, nautical nonsense is something you wish, drop on the deck, flop like a fish. All that. So it's it's almost rap in a way, right? Yeah. It's almost a rap in sea shanty. So there's, there's all of that carefully constructed lyrics. So you get that you're going to get a lot of really intelligent gags and writing in here as well. Because we've talked a lot about the visual gags because of the way it's storyboarding. But there are some really, there is some really intelligent wordplay in this as well. Yeah. There are some really good verbal gags. So you get that as well. And then, of course, you get right to the end of it. And you just get SpongeBob pop up and play his nose like a flute. Yeah, and you, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's the stupidest Absolutely thing you'll ever see. But ridiculous. It, you know, but again, straight away you know you see that and you, you know what know you're getting what you in get. the show. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's something in the theme tune for everybody then, because for the parents, yeah. you're like, it's a fucking sea shanty. What the fuck is he watching? Like, yeah. so there's, there's that. You're like, oh, it's a sea shanty, right? And then you can guarantee then as well that you'll have a kid who'll go, "What does porous mean?" Yeah, there's that. What's absorb? What's absorbent mean? Yep. And also, no, all of a sudden, oh, hang on, this is. Been educational here as well and then he plays his nose like a fucking whistle and you hang on a minute you're back to square one but exactly right but, for, know, it's, for it's, the it's... window lickers you've got that he's playing his nose like a flute that's funny they'll laugh yeah right but for the parents you're like yeah it's a fucking sea shanty what the fuck for the academics or the creatives you've got just the, those lyrics which are nothing short of spectacular i think they're quite possibly like they, they're not the most emotive lyrics you've ever heard but i think they're some of the best and most intelligent lyrics that have ever been written for a tv theme song yeah 
and they're I, I so they on the really nose for the show as well. Yeah, so, completely. No, they, they're telling you from from the very start who who is. He lives in the pineapple under the sea, absorbent, yellow, and porous. Okay, exactly. so we know we know he's we know he's a sponge who lives in a pineapple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, no, if if you want, you know, if you want it completely on the nose, you want it. No, it's it's as literal as it could possibly be, and yes. then you move into no. Uh, you know, you 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 move into this of the uh, the the more silly part of it, and I think that we we talk about we talk a lot about theme tunes, um, and it's something that as long as we do this show, it will always come up. But this one for me, if ever if ever a theme tune sums up a show, this is it. Yeah, yeah, completely. It, it's it's I have an odd relationship with this theme tune because again, it's ever present. I know every word. It can just stroll through my head unannounced for no good reason whatsoever. Um, but I also I don't treat it with the same kind of reverence that I do with something like a Jace or a Ulysses, where I'm like, oh my God, that's one of the best theme tunes ever. But maybe, you know, this is actually better than those by virtue of the fact that it is so omnipresent. Does Possibly. that make sense? Like, yeah, it, and it does, it does and definitely I, sum the show up. You're right. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we've we talked about, especially when we did um, Jace and Ulysses and Power Rangers, like, they're very, musically, they're very accomplished and they, they set, they set a, a very definite tone Whereas this one, I think it's easy to overlook this. But I think because of the show in general, because the show is so silly and it's not, it's not as grand a show. And if you look at things like Power Rangers, which again it's run for like a million years, um, and and you know, Jace and Ulysses, they had very definite arcs and they had very you know, very finite endpoints. Because this has gone on for so long and nothing has happened, but everything has happened. It's that you kind of just go, oh well, it's it's just one of those silly shows. You don't really need to worry about it, and it's easy to overlook both in the show itself and the theme tune because you think, well, yeah, it's just no, it's just SpongeBob, and you don't really give it, you don't give it the the, the respect or the gravitas it deserves. No, you definitely don't, and and especially yeah, you're right. Like who lives in a pineapple under the sea is pretty much it's iconic at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Like you you hear that, you instantly think of SpongeBob straight away. Yeah. So yeah, it it should be treated with with a degree of reverence and gravitas, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, hard right turn here. Where do you stand? <laughs> Just because I meant to talk about it and we haven't, so I'm right. I'm aware that we're probably going to be wrapping up soon. So I'm going to take the hard right into this territory. Okay. Um, maybe it's a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's not to discuss on this show, but I feel it's important. I don't know if you remember this, but about five six years ago, I think there was a whole shitstorm about the sexuality of SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't remember that. Oh, there was a thing. There was a thing. All right. Um, so there's a thing about, obviously, Sandy can't really ever be his girlfriend. They're just friends, right? Because they, they're both inside these helmets and stuff as well. Uh, then somebody somewhere decided that he was in a gay relationship with Patrick, and this kicked off a whole thing, and then SpongeBob became a gay icon for a little while, and then there was talk, okay. which... How did I miss that? Oh, yeah. No, this is a whole thing. SpongeBob, as far as I'm aware, is still pretty big in the LGBTQ plus community. Like, he's, yeah, like he he was an icon for a little while there. Okay. Uh, And then I think everybody settled on, actually, he's asexual, which seems to make sense to me. That kind Um, of makes sense. I mean, the more important question for me is, who gives a fuck? Well, I do. <laughs> That's the thing. I, That's why I brought it up. It's it's one of those I I I missed that. That passed me by completely, and that may have just been. I mean, if it was that sort of time, we'd have been in the midst of like all the shit going on with number two, and mm-hmm. didn't know. So I mean, yeah, SpongeBob wouldn't have really been on my fucking radar at that point. I've got to be no. honest. Um, but it's it's one of those, and it comes back to 
it I, from from a creative point of view i don't suppose they ever thought about it i don't suppose they ever considered it and i don't suppose they've ever acted on it so it's it's all down to interpretation and i, I think it's one of those we think well if you want him to be gay he can be gay because it, it's it's never he's never it's never confirmed or denied yeah if you want it you no know, whatever you want him to be or, no that that's entirely down to your reading of it i don't think it really matters because it doesn't really impact on the show at all no it doesn't where it becomes interesting to me is the projection onto this character and I, and i think you're right we talk a lot about where this choice is meaning um and i don't see now look being a, a straight white male maybe i'm just missing it okay but i don't see anything signifying a reading of this whereby spongebob's sexuality is either way like he's no he's quite uh I, I think asexuality is the best way to read it because he is quite childlike yeah so you know he's very innocent so i can i can understand where that reading comes from and that almost feels like it's a way of placating both parties and incidentally yeah. i think it was the creative team that came out and said like flag in the sand distinct definitively like no he's an asexual sea sponge like get over it yeah uh, but yeah yeah there was this whole culture war about the sexuality of spongebob squarepants and i think that speaks to the level of popularity of, of the yeah. show itself and of the character but it, it's just always fascinated me that there's any level of reading to this at all because yeah, I, I've never. I don't read see any. any sexual tension between any of these characters. I don't see any. No, it's it's, but it's it's clearly a thing. That so I I'm glad you haven't seen it either because I'm thinking no. well, maybe I'm just cold to this. Well, this this is that I hadn't I've I've not I've I've, ne- I've never read that into it for, from all the episodes I've watched. I've watched quite a few. You know, I've watched quite a few over the last week, and I've you know, in the last you no. Know, 20 years i've I've seen quite a lot of it but i've never read that into into it. i wasn't aware there was a whole thing around it but i've never read that into anything i've watched there's nothing certainly there's nothing for me in any of the episodes and yeah maybe no maybe it's projection maybe there's an element because because there's nothing there there's an element of seeing what you want to see maybe um, because because again if you loop it all the way back around to something like ren and stimpy you know where there was a great deal of sexualization of things there was there was cross dressing, you know. There was and 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 it was cross dressing. I, I will stress that as well. There was no point where it was, you know, explicitly stated that this was meant to be about a trans person or anything like that. Yeah. It was just like here's a dude in drag, you know, yeah. and that and, and it would be played for laughs. Um, but the, there's not even any of that which here which people could potentially see as offensive. Yeah, you know, no, there's, there's, there's I I've never seen. I mean, I've. There are two hundred and seventy-one episodes. I I'd say I've probably seen about one hundred and fifty. Yeah, I, I've never picked that out of anything, out of any of them. No, uh, but it was it was a huge but, thing. Yeah, like one way or the other, I've never pegged that. No, he's a that he's a straight male or anything else. I've just never picked any any particular aspect of sexuality out of the character. And same as you, that may just be my reading of it. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't see him as being particularly gendered, even in any particular way. Um, I mean, we refer to him as a he, and I think we do that because he wears trousers and his name is Bob. And also because um, absorbent and yellow and porous is he. Is he, actually, yes. So he is gendered, all right? Yeah, yeah you're right. They do yeah. gender him in the title. Yeah, yeah. and but yeah, it, no, it's it's the voice, the dress, and the, no, the, no, and, and the fact that no, his name is Bob. But you know, if, if you take away the credits, it, the, there's a very definite depiction of SpongeBob as being male. Mm. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, I remember we referred to a, a mutual friend of ours years ago um as not even asia asexual just as sexual yeah. because you know it's just one of those it didn't really you know it wasn't really uh it wasn't really a, a thing either way he was just you know 
I think he would just put his dick in anything, to be honest. But um, you know, um, wouldn't we all? To be fair, <laughs> I um, mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the last person to judge, honestly. But, but yeah, no. So I mean, I I think it's just one of those. You think you know, because because there's nothing in the writing that you can read into it absolutely anything you want. And if you want to read that SpongeBob is gay or or or, or any 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 particular um, gender, any sexual identity, you can read into it what you want because it's not there. No. So there's there's nobody no, so there's nobody saying yes, but there's nobody saying no either. So you can take it. You almost said you you can t- take a reading of that character as you wish. Yeah, it, it's just interesting to me that like this is one of those things as well where you had like the real hard right Christian fundamentalists really thumping their Bibles over this, and you. It's it's interesting to me from a from a cultural standpoint of how far this character has broken through at that point that he's being discussed hmm. by you know some pretty senior people in in right wing Christian organisations, uh, and and also just yeah where did this reading come from? But I guess again that just goes to show, as you rightly illustrated there, just how open this show is and just hmm. how it, it's accessible for everybody, like we said, yeah. and and that's that's the wonder of this show. Um, I personally don't think it will ever be bettered on Nickelodeon. I don't think, like I said, I think this is the final form of the Nicktoon. I think yeah, yeah. you need to go somewhere else from this now yeah, as a like band. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've not kept up with, with Nick anyway, so I don't know what their current output is like other than the fact that this is still going. Um, I, I don't know what they're producing now anyway, so I, I certainly do. I, I've, I've not seen them better it, and I've not seen anybody else better it for a very long, for a very long time. No, I, I think this is the the kind of final line in the sand for this era of animation. Like, I think it's not just Nick. I think it's also, you know, at the time, the stuff that was being output by Cartoon Network and people like that as well. I think this yeah. just perfectly encapsulates all of them and takes all of the best bits, draws a line in the sand and goes, right, yeah. this is what a cartoon looks like now. This is what a children's cartoon looks like now. So yeah. get on board. Um, and I don't think anybody's managed to, to even match it, let alone no. better it. And I, I think that even if you look at, I mean, aesthetics aside if you look at the style of, of of output now yes everything's cgi now because it's cheaper and it's easier and all the rest of it you, you you build a character model in uh in cad and all of a sudden you can use that you can animate that character how you like mm-hmm. but in terms of storytelling you know they've all gone to this okay well we'll you know the similar nick to style was said right we'll have two episodes in one and they'll all be about 10 minutes long but actually you don't get the heart with them and you don't there's not the effort made to actually engage on a wider level it's just this is what your story is and there's no other reading to it you know you can't bring anything else to the table and like some of the shit that we watch with uh with the kids now i say we watch they they have it on and we have to sort of suffer through it there's you mentioned charm earlier and i think that's a fairly good uh good description you don't get that now you don't get these characters who you, you are able to fall in love with because all of a sudden it's just this is our main character we're going to hit you over the head with them this mm. is the supportive best friend who's always the opposite gender yeah. because you know we have to do that and then here are some talking animals to just finish it off and it's just so for oh, no it's it's so formulaic now mm-hmm. but you don't get to read anything into it you don't get to enjoy it because all all you get is actually this is what we're telling you this week and we'll beat you over the head with it and then the next episode we'll beat you over the head with something else so you don't get to you don't get to have the reading you don't get to sit there and go oh, okay i don't well, they've done that because of that and like we were talking earlier about the uh, the uh, Jacques Cousteau of it all you don't get any of that Everything yeah. is so fi- everything's so finitely crafted. They say, "Look, you don't get, you you can't read anything into it because everything they want you to get, they tell you. They put it on front street." Yeah, and I think, I think that kind of easy charm that you were talking about, like I mentioned, with charm. I think where that comes from is that comes from a creatively driven product. I think what you get is a, 
as I've said many times, a bunch of creatives in a room really believe in what they're doing and they're just yeah. trying to entertain each other and having a good time. Whereas a lot of the more modern products, especially, everything now is about merchandising. It's about yeah. getting to that bottom. Not that it ever hasn't been, but I think it's more prevalent than ever because yeah. attention spans are shorter now as well yeah. uh, and things are more accessible. So it, it, there's a lot more corporate-driven content, yeah. I think, is the and problem. And it's, it's, it's hammer out sheer volume yeah. is, is the thing. Yeah. not actually get a decent product that we can run for 20 years is hammer out sheer volume get enough episodes to get into syndication because there's still no there's still broadcast television as well as mm-hmm. streaming services so get it out there get it no get a 65 episode so we can keep on running it as well as having it on disney plus or prime or netflix or whatever and then we'll move on to the next thing and we'll just keep churning out two or three seasons worth of stuff 65 episodes next one next one next one and you don't get to have no, you you don't get to have that sort of joy that comes with it and i think that something i have noticed with with my two is that whereas we do no, i said we, we've read a lot into into spongebob in, in this episode but what you, you you'd have a show with an arc with a narrative arc and you can bring a reading to that you can you know you can bring your own experiences you can bring something to it whereas now my kids can't do that no like, even like Number one is starting. No, she's starting reading. Like, see, no, she she loves to read anyway. So we, we we've got her onto a series of books, uh, so that she can actually start to follow and she can actually start to to work through an ad and she can start equating you know, things to. Oh well, that happened in no, that happened previously. And, oh well, Alan, what about this? What if no, what if I read this character as that? What if they did this? What what if they're like that? So, but no, this is something that we no, we've always done because we always had that nature of books and TV and all the rest of it. Whereas now it's just four or five minutes one and done and then move on to the next thing and yeah the, the way that it's consumed is different and to a point where it's detrimental to probably an entire generation of storytelling you know we're, we're getting to that point now where you look at you now the the majority of output is 30 second tiktok videos two minute youtube clips nobody is doing long form work anymore because the attention isn't there but also there's seemingly not a desire for it it's ironic, isn't it? Because we're singing the praises of SpongeBob, but then also I think maybe it's partly responsible and only in as much as, yeah, when you talk about how things are consumed now. So you're right, there is still network television and people still go for syndication, but ultimately, you know, the money now is in streaming. We all know that. Yeah. And because things shift to streaming, like SpongeBob is always readily available for everyone all the time. Yeah. Okay, now you can buy it on Amazon. It's freely available on Netflix in the UK. It's probably all over YouTube as well, but please pay for, pay for your content, everybody. Um, but it, what I'm saying is it, it is there, okay? Yeah. So if you're producing a modern show, let's say Peppa Pig, whatever you want to write, and I know Peppa's probably in the younger audience, but whatever, okay? You are automatically now pitched against SpongeBob SquarePants because that is available for children, yeah. okay? Still, and will be now forever, because it's always, it's very popular. It's always going to be on a streaming service somewhere. Yeah. The same as, you know, it's very difficult to break through as an animated sitcom, you know, because you've always got The Simpsons and you're always going to be going up against that. You know, I think yeah. the only real animated sitcom, well, there's been two, hasn't there, really, in the last 20 years that have managed to break through. Family Guy has broken through and Rick and Morty have broken through. Mm. Other than that, everything else just kind of dies a death because you're not The Simpsons and The Simpsons is available. And so yeah. I think, Maybe there's an element of that with SpongeBob, and it's interesting as well that you mention, you know, TikTok and and social media and things like that, because actually so much of that is based on SpongeBob memes, and then, yeah. and that's so much of those thirty second videos will have the French narrator on them, or they'll have a voiceover from SpongeBob, or they'll lift a gag from SpongeBob, yeah. and and I think what you've got now is that first generation that grew up on it, that you know, the generation that are now in their twenties, yeah. 
they've absorbed it and now they're feeding it back. But what you won't get with the generation that's being raised now then, as you say, like with your two, if you don't try and combat that, is they won't have that narrative language yeah. to be able to go and make a TikTok and feed it back because they haven't had SpongeBob feed into them to teach them. You know, yes, it's not teaching traditional storytelling, as, as we've said, because there is no arc. But it's certainly very good at teaching people how to land a gag and how yeah. to string gags together into a routine. Yeah. That it does very, very well. Um, and, and so that's kind of what's being fed back now to the younger audience through TikTok. So I guess actually it has had an even broader cultural impact than, than we initially gave it credit for. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that had you not just brought that up. But as you were talking about it, the dots just fell into place. Mm. I connected yeah. all the dots in my head and it makes perfect sense now because... Yeah, I mean, I've I've dabbled with TikTok. If I'm honest, I don't really understand it. I'm a crusty old man. Uh, but 90% of what I saw when I went on there was either like kids doing some sort of weird fucking dance or yeah. people ripping off SpongeBob. Like mm. it, it's everywhere. And, it, it's, and like, you look at it now, I mean, like um, I think you know, it's everywhere. Like, like Facebook have brought out, is it Reels? I think they're called. And it's, you know, again, they're 30 second videos, which I think they just left straight off TikTok. And you think, well, what's the point? No, what is the point it needs? And it's just people, I say, people making gags. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's Remember when is. we used to call those shorts? Like, it's not a new thing. It's just no. they're more accessible. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And they're, they're more pervasive now, I think. Is yeah. The... Yeah. I, as you say, I think I think entertainment uh, has changed. And I think delivery has changed. And I think attention spans have changed. Yeah. And um, to be fair, I mean, if you were to talk to the generation that came before us of our generation, they'd probably say the same thing. Yeah, they absolutely would. I, I think that is just us being old. But I think definitely you can see that. You can see the effect. You can see the actual cultural effect of this show in today's content yeah. creators. You definitely can. Um, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, thing to have, to have brought up as well, right at the end of the show as well. Well done. It's getting late <laughs> in the night and you managed to hit on something quite quite profound there. Yeah, um, just, getting, just getting started. <laughs> like i said right back at the start i I literally think you could talk about this show all night and the more you talk about it the more you can pull out of it because it is such an open book and it's done with such care attention and craft yeah it's just a wonderful show it's a good time it's entertaining yeah and i think the thing for me and so we're kind of of branching into into some uh, summing up, I think, but the thing for me is, it's never one that I consider. Like, what? I mean, we're at what episode ninety-eight of the show, or something like that. Now, I mean, we're you know we're getting pretty high in the numbers now for you no know, for for shows, and and it's not something I've ever really thought about as being. Oh, it's not because it came later. It's never really been in something ingrained as something like Thundercats or Transformers or He Man or these things that we watched when we were kids. This is something that came about for me the same time that things like Family Guy did, where it's like, yeah. okay, this is stuff I associate with being a young adult as opposed to being a child. But then the, as you get into it, and as we've done here over the last hour and change, is that actually there's so much to this show. And you know, when you when you start breaking it down, the, the, the social impact, the cultural impact, just the, the, the general pervasiveness of SpongeBob in media, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a far bigger entity than I've ever given it credit for. I totally agree. Until we sat down to do this episode of the show, I don't think I'd ever really thought in depth about SpongeBob. And I don't think I'd ever yeah. questioned it just because it was so pervasive and it was everywhere. It's just a thing that was. Yeah. It was there. And I've watched a hell of a lot of it in my time. And again, I didn't realize just how much until I started watching it again and really thought about it and thought about what yeah. it meant to me and where it came from. It was just a thing that was there and has always been there. But yeah, when you actually sit down and break that down yeah. and look at what this is, like, I think you kind of have to put this in 
top tier animated shows. And yeah. I'm, when I say that, I'm not talking about putting it along the top tier of of Nicktoons, like you know your Rugrats and your Rocco and stuff. I'm talking about you're putting this right up there with the Simpsons, and yeah. the Flintstones, and the Jetsons. You're putting it right up there, and Scooby Doo, and all of those with those shows yeah. that have endured for generations and generations because this will too. I've yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, I you know, agree with that. Everything about it is quality. Even now, as I say, when you know there is debatably being a backslide in quality, but you know the same's ha- same's true of The Simpsons, same's true of Family Guy. You know, yeah. you run a show long enough, it's eventually gonna start yeah, you, eating its own tail, and yeah, it's you eventually run out of steam, don't you? Because there's yeah. o- there's only so many things you can do, and I think the the only way to to combat that is the way The Simpsons done, where they do try and make the cultural references, and that is a death knell to a show like this because you start aging it, and all of a sudden yep. people won't. I don't watch that old shit. Yep, exactly, exactly. Whereas as it is, it can stay current, so it's current for kids. Yeah, you know, it's always funny because the gags are timeless. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful show. It really is, and I didn't realize just how good. It, I, you're right. I didn't realize how good it was yeah. until we actually I've, sat down and critically looked at it. I have never thought. So I've never thought. It's just as I say, something's been there. And if it's on, I'll watch it. I've never thought about this show in any degree of detail before. And yeah. coming at it this week, so I think I, I think I've started looking at it on Friday. Um, so I've had five days of it, mm. and I'm going back. I think if there weren't 270 episodes, I might actually go back and pick up a few more. But it's the sort yeah. of thing that it doesn't matter if I don't watch it for another 10 years. No, I can, you can jump it, right back. I in. can jump back in, and it will be exactly the same, and yeah. it will have the same effect because because of that. No, because, just because of that sheer fact, it doesn't change. It doesn't aid. I mean, you can t- with. The, the ones that are on Netflix or the early ones, the season four ones, the only thing that's different, I said there is a, a, def, no, there's a definite difference, it's to do with the pacing. It's it's yeah. tighter, it's slicker when you get further in. Mm. It's not better, it's not worse, it's just smoother. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the only difference with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just been, you know, it's, been it's been a long week. The kids are off school because of fucking after him. And this has been a welcome, a welcome distraction, I've got to be honest. It's a joy. It is a joyous show. Um, yeah. Not not in the same level that Fraggle Rock is, where no, it's, it's just a different pure, type of joy. an adulterated joy. Yeah, this is just a joy to watch. It's it's entertaining. You can switch your brain off. I've never ever watched an episode and not laughed. No, like you know, there's there's always a laugh out loud funny moment in there. Um, yeah, it's it's fucking wonderful. So yeah, I may not have grown up with it in the same way that today's generation has, but it it's definitely got a place. You know, in in my heart if i'm honest like yeah. that sounds dramatic but it has like there's there's an element of watching it where i go like yes i remember this from when i was younger and yes i kind of still love it and i think i always will yeah. um it's just a fucking quality product through and through yeah yeah i agree um would love to hear what people think um i say it's it's such a broad such a widely appealing such a broad stroke show i think that then there, there'll be people out there you would never you'd never expect us to, to 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 take this on board so yeah, we'd love to know what people think, and we'd love to love to uh, to hear your thoughts on on SpongeBob. Um, on Twitter, you can get in touch at SMPDPod. You can go to our website ddpodcast.net, where you can pick up our previous episodes and our other shows as well. Wherever you get your podcast from, uh, subscribe, leave some message, and we we'll get back to you as best we can. Until next time, see you later.